0: Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Black Hawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people he's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. Hey everyone,
1: this is Chris Kopp, one of the pastors here at Blackhawk Church. Thanks so much for listening today and joining us for this episode. Uh, Tiffany wasn't able to make it today, but joining me today are two very special guests, Pastor Chris Dolson and Jeff Harden, who's a professor here at UW-Madison in the Integrative Biology Department and also part of the Religious Studies Department. So uh, Jeff and Chris, thanks so much for joining in on this episode. Uh, How's the first week of fall? or so going for you guys so far for you and your families
2: well thanks for inviting me to be here Chris Um, yeah things are busy Uh, (laughs) things are really hopping at the UW Um, it's an exciting time Um, it's really great to have the students back and back in person in in force Uh, really exciting
1: and this is your 32nd, 33rd year on campus. How many years has it been?
2: Uh, it's been 32
1: years. 32. Yeah. So I guess I'm starting my 33rd year. Wow. wow. So amazing. you've seen a lot of, yeah, a lot of things on campus. It's another uh, another fall for you. That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I never get tired of it. It's exciting awesome yeah what about you chris yeah things are great you know since i'm pastor emeritus i don't have all the responsibilities that <laughs> pastor matt has so everybody pr- pray for pastor matt that's a hard job and uh, life's just uh generally good for sunshine and i right now we're just enjoying time we've had some time off uh and uh, been together so it's been it's been a good fall that's yeah.
1: great very good Um, Well, in the message this past Sunday, we talked about a God who creates and brings order out of chaos, Um, but we really tried to just kind of set aside questions about science and whether our faith is compatible with scientific knowledge and just really focus on the text itself. But um, it's a really important conversation. Um, We tried to set it aside again for, for Sunday, but one that we want to have and it's a conversation that we try to facilitate here around Blackhawk Church because we know that it's important. Um, so today I'm excited to dig into some of that with you guys, hear your stories. I know you're both um, passionate about this topic and combining and integrating our faith with science and, and the study of creation and all of those kinds of things. Um, but maybe to start, Jeff, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe how you became a Christ follower? Sure. So um,
2: I'll go all the way back. My, my parents were actually undergraduates at UW-Madison, uh, and uh, wow. I was born in Milwaukee. So I'm a native Wisconsinite, but we moved away to Northern Virginia in the D.C. area uh, when I was four years old. Okay. And that's where I grew up. Uh, my parents drifted away from traditional Christianity when I was uh, a little boy, and I would say that they um, embraced what, at least at one point, would have been called New Age kinds mm-hmm. of approaches to spirituality. So I didn't really grow up in a, in a Christian home, but okay. nor did I grow up in one that was really particularly antagonistic mm-hmm. towards Christianity. So I was, um, you know, there, there are snatches of, of, of memory for me, my dad reading me a story about... Um, When when I was uh, uh, a pre-K little kid um, about God being present, even uh, out as far as Sirius, the dog star, you know, (laughs) I still remember him reading that bedtime story to me. But as I got older, I was really had no commitment to any sort of, of spirituality of any kind. And that lasted with me till middle school, and and then a classmate invited me to what she said would be uh, a time with free food and music, (laughs) and it turned out to be a Southern Baptist youth revival. And um, so I went to this, and there was somebody uh, up front talking about my need for uh, someone to fix a problem that I couldn't fix, which Mm was um, uh, sin, what the Bible calls sin, and I really had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, Everyone was going forward, making decisions, so I didn't want to be left out, so I did that, but I didn't really understand what he was talking about. But then, I went back a few months later, and that time, things were radically different, so I felt there was no one else in that meeting hall except for me, and I I felt that the speaker was speaking directly to me. I had a very dramatic conversion, and put my trust in, in Jesus at that point. That was uh, February 9th, 1972. (laughs) And uh, that's when I became a Christ follower. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so my parents were pretty supportive. Uh, most of my friends went to a United Methodist church, um, uh, a good one, solid one. And, um, they would, my parents would drop me off and then they'd pick me up. And, uh, that's where I learned about the Christian faith uh, at least at, at first. Hmm.
1: Well, wow. C- congrats. That's 50 years of following Jesus. I That's know. Incredible. Yeah. Very exciting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I know we're skipping a lot of life here, but so you have this conversion experience. Um you're now, again, a professor of integrative biology. How did you get into the fields of biology? And you teach genetics and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, tell us about that. How did you get interested in, in those kinds of things? How did you end up in the career that you're in? Sure, well, I, I went uh, to Michigan State University
2: as an undergrad. So uh, you guys, <laughs> I, uh, you know, you? I, I just here. want to say that I'm holding up my, my W <laughs> in front of the microphone yeah. right now. Um, I definitely root for Bucky, um, but um, at Michigan State, I, I did what many students do. I, I flamed out spiritually mm-hmm. um, my freshman year, and um, I came to a crisis point partway through my second year in college, uh, and at that point, I had to decide either Uh, Jesus is real, Christianity is true, and I need to orient my entire life around that. Mm. Or I need to own up and say, I've been living a lie. Yet I knew it was true. And uh, once I came to that realization, um, I got involved in a local parachurch ministry crew, uh, now called Crew, uh, helped me to grow in my faith. Uh, And I became a student leader. Mm. On the academic side, I come into the university uh, as a physics major and a music major. I'm I'm a clarinet, I was a clarinet performance major, and I was really interested in
0: physics. We should have asked him to bring his clarinet. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know, well, um, but I I got... um, Most people don't think of Jeff Harden as a clarinet a major. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where it all started with the clarinet. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Except right. there was
2: a problem. I, I, I realized I wasn't quite good enough to make it as a <laughs> classical clarinet performance professional, nor were my math skills good enough to be a top-shelf physicist. Ah. So I, I changed my majors to zoology and German, which are the degrees that I ended up getting. Mm. And uh, I was kind of headed on, on a pre-med track. My brother had contracted bacterial meningitis. I wanted to try to help people. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of vaguely pre-med. Um, but as I grew in my faith, um, I was taking all of these biology classes. And, you know, I, I really never had the kind of moments that I th- I know from many conversations lots of students have. Uh, lots of students feel this conflict between what they're learning in the classroom, and their Christian faith. And sometimes they feel completely cornered, backed against a wall, having to make an either-or binary decision about those two things. I never felt that. Mm. I always felt that the Lord of all creation was the Lord of biology, Mm -hmm. and that learning biology was one of the best ways that I could honor the Lord of creation. And so for me, I didn't have that conflict. Yeah, and I'm, so I was progressing through my collegiate experience, and I was eventually headed to do an MD-PhD. Uh, I didn't do that, though. It's a long story, um, an amazing one to mm. me, but um, ultimately, I realized that I was doing that because I could do it, not because I had talked it over with the Lord. Wow. And um uh, Through some circumstances, including a speaker at a retreat that I went to, um, I ended up doing a Master of Divinity degree. I went to Theological Seminary instead Mm. of doing the MD-PhD. While I was there, I met my wife, who was in student ministry with Crew, and I was a TA for a doctrine class in a summer theology course, and she was taking that class. And so I was committed to this woman who is my wife, and we have been married 37 years, but... um, Uh, I didn't know what the next step was from seminary. I was pretty sure it wasn't pastoral ministry. And as I prayed through that, eventually I felt a strong call to go back into academia. Hmm. And um, my wife was in campus ministry at UC Berkeley. And through an amazing set of circumstances, even though I'd missed all of the deadlines to apply, I got into the PhD program in biophysics at Berkeley. And... uh, So there, I I really, my goal was, I think, to explore the amazing world of of biology in some sense, but then also somehow, as a professor, to to try to be a a faithful Christ follower, to be what Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount calls salt and light.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So from the very beginning, I mean, you have this... MDiv, a Master of Divinity degree from the very beginning you're like wanting to connect the dots on the two things of your faith and then also what you're studying in the academic world and in biology and yeah that's incredible um I want to ask some follow-up questions about that in a second but um Chris I know your your story is a little bit different like you do have kind of a wrestling with science and faith and that kind of thing. Can you tell us yeah tell us a little bit of your story and how sure. that kind of worked for you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana and um, mostly I went to when I was a teenager, I went to a very conservative uh church and um I really loved that church and uh, the youth group and all of that kind of thing and um, it was a fundamentalist uh, kind of a place where um, there wasn't a lot of give and take in terms of the interpretation of Genesis and stuff like that, mm-hmm. so uh, the earth is you know ten thousand years old and all that kind of thing so when I was a- in high school then I went to I had a biology course and I really loved the course and uh, everything about the class I just loved I loved being outside we had a great biology teacher and I started to talk at church about the things I was learning in the biology class and I ran into conflict hmm. I realized that um, what I was learning in high school uh, was really Uh, Opposed by the church. I mean, they were, you know, evolution is not true and all these kind of things. So I really had kind of a crisis of faith. And then just because of my age, I graduated then and I went to Indiana State University. You know, I was a gymnast. I went there. They were really good at gymnastics. And I majored in in biology and had a minor in chemistry. I didn't go to a church uh, when I was in college my first few years. And I just I just kind of wandered away from uh, Christianity. I thought, really, all Christians uh, believed that there was a conflict between uh, faith and science. So I just stepped away from the faith, mm. and uh, I went to a place called the National Institutes of Health in 1976. I did an internship at the NIH, mm. and I worked around some really top-flight uh, scientists. Uh, a guy named Julius Axelrod, who in the 60s got a Nobel Prize for things that he discovered with regards to um, uh, neurotransmitters and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I was with really top-flight kind of people working in labs and things like that and just kind of didn't really pay attention to the Bible or Christianity or anything like that. And then when I went back to Indiana State and continued my studies there, um, I met this guy who I talk about often named Mike Russell. He started to kind of disciple me. And he was okay with my questions. Mm. He didn't run away from them. And then he introduced me actually to a Christ follower who was also a working scientist in the city of Terre Haute. He graduated with a degree in microbiology from Penn State. And that was the first time I'd ever really met a Christ follower who was a scientist. Mm. And that was completely new for me. I just thought, you can't really be a Christ follower and a scientist at right. the same time. So it's completely different from Jeff's experience. Yeah. And I found that here at Blackhawk over the years, we continue to run into that crisis of faith yeah. that students have uh, at the university. And um, because that was such such a part of my story, uh, we've always had this passion here yep. to kind of reach those young Chris and Christine's, you know, out there, 18 and 19, are having a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. And so that's become a really important part of the ministry here at Black Oak Church. Yeah,
1: that's, I don't think I've ever heard uh, all of that backstory. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, what, yeah, given your experience, Chris, and then um, Jeff, you've been following Christ for 50 years and on campus for 32 years. What would you guys say to the student that's maybe listening right now, maybe first few weeks on campus, and they're wrestling through this stuff, or the high school student that's in classes right now, um, or just people in general that are kind of wrestling through some of these different questions about how to kind of make their, their faith and their intellect kind of kind of jive and go together. Um, yeah, what would you say to the person that's, that's wrestling through whether their faith can, um, can be compatible with, with science and the things that they're studying and, and that kind of thing? Any words of wisdom to share there? Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, so that that crisis is a real crisis for many people. Mm-hmm. And I just feel for people that are going through that because they feel there's a real important things to them. It's kind of like their intellect and then their heart or something like that, yeah. you know, their faith. They've had maybe a faith experience and stuff. And I just, first of all, I just feel feel for them kind of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And I would love for them to actually be able to meet people who are scientists who are also committed Christians. You can't, you don't have a category. I didn't have a category for it. Yeah. So it's like I was taught certain things. And so the other part of it also is to really help people Really understand this whole idea that this, this warfare narrative, this conflict narrative, is, is really, uh, a, it's not maybe a myth, but I mean, there's really not a conflict between science and faith. Um, they both can work together, they, they do different things. Mm-hmm. And so I think we want students to kind of grapple with that. And it, it, one thing leads to another, one question leads to another. One thing leads to another. It's not an easy journey, but right. it's a journey that's worth taking. Yeah. Jeff, anything to add on to that?
2: Well, I think last week, Chris preached on one of my go-to Bible passages about this. is Psalm 19. So uh, Psalm 19 begins by saying, the heavens declare the glories of God. And they speak oddly in a language that's not spoken, <laughs> but it's bubbling up. And it's telling us something about the creator who lies behind it. But then in verse seven, the psalmist flips a switch and starts talking about the law of the Lord being perfect mm. and all of the things that it does. And ultimately, at the end of the psalm, uh, the psalmist has to respond. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So God's speaking to us in these two books And this was a favorite metaphor of some of the guys who were founders of the scientific revolution, Robert Boyle, for example, who's famous for Boyle's law if you've had to slog through um, (laughs) general chemistry and learn about that. Uh, That first book is the book of God's world. The second book is the book of God's word. Mm. Single author, multi-volume masterpiece. And so somehow... um, we've got to make sense of those. But because there's a single author, we should expect that we ought to be able to make sense of that. Now, it's totally true, as Chris said, that's not always easy. And sometimes we get into trouble when we try to make a watertight articulation a fitting together of that first book and the second book, like pieces of, of a jigsaw puzzle or something like that, mm-hmm. that's maybe not the way to think about it. It's to let each of those books speak within their own genres. And as we do that, yep. then, then we're going to discover that uh, understanding God's first book, his world, enhances our understanding of that second book, his world, mm-hmm. uh, his word, and then vice versa.
1: Yeah, yeah. What... Um so as you've you've had this long career in studying and teaching biology and genetics and and religious studies as as well which I didn't know that coming into the, to, today that's um, that's great how have as you've gone about your career um, and the studies that you've been doing um, how yeah how has that kind of has that led you into a deeper faith I know you said at, at, at first there was no like warfare narrative where you were struggling through things but. Uh, have there been ups and downs as you've kind of navigated things throughout your career or ways that it's actually helped to, to feed and to grow your faith as you've been involved in, um, in studying those things?
2: Well, I study how embryos develop now okay, and, um, that's what I've done for my entire career. And I got hooked on embryos as a first year PhD student at Berkeley, um, And that happened the first time I looked through a microscope at a developing embryo. It was a sea urchin embryo, it turns out. And uh, that got me absolutely hooked on embryonic development. So I think for me and for uh, many Christians who are in the sciences, uh, being a scientist is an opportunity for worship. Mm. Um, So if the heavens are declaring the glories of God, understanding... The mechanisms by which the heavens work gives us not less of an appreciation, but I think as Christians a greater appreciation for the craftsmanship of the universe. And in my case, uh, with embryos, uh, there's another go-to passage which I quote at the beginning of my undergraduate course in embryonic development every year, uh, and it's Psalm 139. Is it okay if I read? Yeah, please do. For you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. So those Lord of the Rings fans that unformed substance is golem. So it's maybe where... um, J.R.R. got the the name mm. for one of his characters, Gollum. <laughs> um, uh, oh, that is super trivia, right there. <laughs> <laughs> super yeah. trivia. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know s- that Hebrew word, and I never <laughs> never put that together. I'm s- I'm sorry that I got all geeked up there, but uh, oh, that's good. So the interesting thing about this psalm is that the, the whole psalm is really about the fact that God is everywhere. There's no place you can go
1: yeah.
2: where God is not there, mm. and that is for someone who is living the, the journey of faith as a Christ follower is incredibly comforting. Yep. Um, but that includes when you were an embryo. And, um, so for me, uh, thinking about the earliest moments that each of us progressed through leads me to understand that, that God knows all about that. And so I have the privilege of discovering things God already knows about these processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that sense, I'm like, uh, someone engaging in art appreciation Mm. and uh, so that that's how I think about about being a scientist yeah
1: I I love that you didn't end up becoming a pastor at least vocationally you set aside the clarinet so you don't worship in that way but you really do like you view your work and your study as an opportunity to to worship God in the the ways that you uh, get to study science and embryos and, and all that kind of stuff that's really incredible um, Chris, maybe a similar question. I know uh, anyone that's been around you has heard you talk about the stars or different things related to creation. What continues to just fuel your desire to to learn about those things, your fascination with creation, and how has that affected your your faith over the years?
0: Yeah, I would say that the two-book metaphor has been really important in my life. I mean, I just see exactly what Jeff was saying, whether or not you— uh, go out and, and look at the stars and the galaxies, things that the uh, James Webb Telescope is starting to tell us about the universe. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if you do subatomic particles and things like that. I mean, all the, we know very little <laughs> about <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, basically, there was a, actually at NIH there was a guy named James Goodwin, who was uh, kind of an expert in, in that back in the day in the '70s on the human brain, and. Um, I remember being at a party with him and there was a bunch of us that were trying to get to medical school and we were thinking, man, if we could just get to know this guy and he could write a reference for us, that would be helpful, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And uh, I remember, um, you know, a bunch of kind of cocky undergraduates who were writing papers on being at NIH and stuff. So we had an opportunity to be with this guy. And uh, Goodwin, who's just genius, uh, we asked him something about neurotransmitters or something silly like that at a party and he looked at all of us and he said I don't really know much about the brain and we're just <laughs> like what? <laughs> you're like you're the dude you know Yeah. and uh, that was really, he was very humble mm. and I've learned that uh, just kind of being in Madison over the last few years uh, some of the people who are really humble in terms of their knowledge are people like Jeff and other scientists who They'll tell you, you, we're just discovering things. Mm. Uh, we don't know that much about all kinds of things. And to, to, to me, it's like, here's a book that God has given to us. And man, some of the students who may be, be listening to this, yeah, go for it. And because uh, really God is speaking through whatever discipline, geology or uh, astronomy, meteorology or any of these things, all of these can be avenues for us to understand God's working, because, mm. you know, to say God's a genius or He's incredible, I mean, that's just an understatement. Right. I mean, it's just, to me, it's unbelievable what God has done, and we have an opportunity with all of these instruments we have, modern things that we have to learn things about God that we've never been able to really learn before, and they're, like, right in front of us, like, what's a blade of grass, actually, mm. or something like that. I mean, it's incredible, yeah. actually. Wow.
1: Yeah. I know when I was growing up, one of the things that um, compelled me to seek out matters of faith and spirituality, even before I was following Jesus, was I would just look at the world around me and it just felt really like someone had to have created all of this, right? Like it didn't just happen. And that, um, as I look back on my journey, like even just that thought continued to kind of propel me toward like toward faith toward well, what if and then who is this God that that created all of these things Chris I know you've talked in past messages about how like you actually have moments of doubt you just talked about that recently right Um, and that same thing the stars are creation you go up and you look at the night sky um, is a helpful kind of reminder for you of of who God is and that kind of thing
0: I I feel like um, it's not true of everyone sure so I'm not trying to say that everyone should have doubts but that's just the way I'm wired yeah And I feel like, as I've said before, I think it's psychologically healthy for me to doubt because Mm -hmm. it's like being honest about uh, things and stuff like that. And then I don't—this is going in a different direction, but we see doubt in the Bible uh, a a lot. So um, when John the Baptist is suffering, he sends his disciples to Jesus and says— you know, are you the one, or should we wait for someone else? Mm. That's an expression of doubt. Mm. And John is the one who baptized Jesus. You know, the heavens open, he heard the voice, this is my beloved son, and whom I'm... You know, he... <laughs> so, and he, when he's going through a very difficult time, suffering, when we're going through difficult times, yeah. doubt sometimes is a product of that. Mm-hmm. And James, yeah. or, or John the Baptist is expressing doubt. So, and then Jesus said right after that to his disciples and the people listening... He said, no one born of women has, is as great as John the Baptist. Mm. So it's like Jesus wasn't offended by it. So I feel like doubt uh, can be a way in which we actually grow towards God, yeah. uh, to tell you the truth. Yeah. So I yeah. a little excursion on doubt. Yeah, yeah, we <clears throat>
1: try to be a place here at Blockhawk where, um, where we welcome questions and doubt is okay, Uh, yeah, so many of us freely um, will speak about how Gosh, I have doubts. Charles was on the podcast last week talking about he has doubts. There's things in scripture that he's wrestled with for 15 years and is only starting to kind of reconcile and that sort of thing. So um, if that's you, man, you're in good company. If there's any way that we can help with that, feel free to reach out. And we'd love to just have a conversation, help make connections, anything like that. But your doubts are okay um, and good. So keep asking those questions.
0: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Um, Jeff, what about for you? Are there things that as you've studied... Um, biology and genetics and embryos uh, that have uh, actually like fortified your faith in a creator that have led you into kind of a, a, a deeper assurance of, of who he is anything like that um, as you've uh, gone throughout your studies?
2: Well before I answer that question let me just back up a second I, I would say that one of the things that sometimes happens with undergraduate students especially but also graduate students is um, is that when you get serious about studying some area of science and you you wade into the details, you get into the weeds, mm-hmm. sometimes those details can be perplexing. There's no question of that. So... Um, ecosystems involve all kinds of predator prey relationships for example I have ecologists in my department that's what they study for a living uh, I grew up on a steady diet of nature documentaries and my son Christopher who has severe autism he lives at home with us well he loves those Nat Geo documentaries and some of the things that happen there are disturbing you yeah. know if you if you have kind of an idealized view of how god 's world works and and that can be true in other areas the the weirdness of quantum mechanics um, just the, the the stochastic nature of of molecules bumping around mm. um, in in gases or wh- whatever it is mm. these can lead you to to ask some deep questions yeah. um, and I think My one piece of advice about that after having spent decades as a practicing scientist is that none of those issues are deal breakers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We may not have all of the answers about how to fit all of those together with our faith. And one of the reasons for that is simply that the Bible doesn't know anything about modern science. The people writing the Bible uh, were writing... Uh, to a completely different audience in a pre-scientific era. They use language that doesn't have the precision of modern science. Yep. And so we shouldn't expect it to carry the kind of precision we want as 21st century moderns or postmoderns thinking about that. Um, now, getting back to your question. Sure. Sure. Um, I uh, One of the things that I'm really interested in right now, because I study embryos, is embryos are going places. Mm-hmm. You start, we all started as a zygote, a fertilized egg, and stuff happens. And this amazing stuff leads to organisms with incredible complexity from head to, to foot, uh, from the center out towards the, the right and left, mm-hmm. uh, with all these amazing structures. And one of the things that developmental biologists are learning is that um, embryos are front loaded with a lot of things that unfold over the course of their subsequent development. Hmm. And um, so for me, this is just cause for praise for the creator. But it Uh does lead me to ask, and, and some scientists are asking, well, are there other things in nature that are like that in God's creation that are front-loaded and unfolding? Some people think maybe so. The, the Webb Telescope, Chris mentioned that earlier, is helping us probe the earliest moments of the universe. And in, in we're just beginning to get data from the Webb, so who knows what we're going to see <laughs> eventually. But mm. it's telling us something about the beginnings and the unfolding of the universe mm-hmm. that I, I think as a Christian... I'm not surprised about these things, uh, that God has created a universe that's that's orderly, but not just orderly, but
1: is unfolding in really mm-hmm. cool ways. Wow. Yeah, Chris,
0: did you want to say something? You were looking excited over there. Yeah, no, I am excited. Uh, <laughs> that web is going to be forgotten in 100 years. I mean, you know, the, the next things are... Yeah. So it's a journey. All of us are on... journey to really, uh, humans are created in the image of God uh, to be uh, kind of many rulers over the world, the the way he wants us to, he wants us to understand the world. And uh, he wants us, you know, as you were saying in Genesis 1, I mean, um, we have an opportunity uh, to be, as his image bearers, people that care for creation, learn about creation, uh, wonder about creation. Um, so, I mean, I'm I kind of smiling at all that because all of this, we're on a journey uh, to really become the kind of uh, image bearers that God really ideally wants us to be. Obviously, there's the fall of humans and there's sin and selfishness and disease and disaster that takes place in our lives. But mm-hmm. at any rate, I, I, I just am excited about to me the idea of blending science and faith together uh, really helps us to realize what god wants us to be as his image bearers and uh, you know the many many rulers over creation yeah, yeah. what he wants us to do yeah.
1: Yeah, and we didn't get into that too much in this past message about creation care and ruling over creation. Charles will do some of that in a few days here. Yeah, and then, and and then in a few in, weeks, there's a creation care message as well, right? I don't and remember then who's going to talk on that.
0: about uh, the ruin and the, some, you yeah, know, some, what yeah. happens when it goes bad. <laughs> yep.
1: So yeah, as we're in this Live This Book series, we just kind of kicked off talking about a God who creates this physical world, but we'll see all of these things kind of unfolding and, and developing over the next um, few months in particular, and then throughout this series. So this is all uh, so helpful, you guys. I, I think back to when I was... Um, a college freshman and, and wrestling through some of these things, even just to hear this conversation that you've been having would have been so helpful for me. So, um, so yeah, thank you for, for entering into this conversation. I know that both of you uh, are a part of bio logos. Um, it's an organization uh, that combines science and faith. I would want one of you want to tell us a little bit about who they are and what they do. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So uh, I've been on the board of directors uh, of the BioLogos Foundation for a long time now. I was the chairman of the board for a while. So um, BioLogos uh, was founded by Francis Collins. Chris Chris mentioned the National Institutes of Health, NIH, earlier. Francis, until recently, was the director of the NIH. Before that, um, he made his mark as one of the co-leaders of the Human Genome Project, mm-hmm. which sequenced all of the building blocks in the, in the DNA of, of human beings. Um, so incredibly eminent scientist, but also a devout Christ follower. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called The Language of God, and as a result of that book, he just got deluged with email. Mm. That's basically what happened to him. And so he said, we've got to do something. We've got to, Initially, he thought, oh, we'll set up a website, and Uh, that really was not sufficient, and so um, Francis, along with several other people, including the original president, Daryl Falk, founded the BioLogos Foundation, and um, the current president is, uh, Chris and my friend, Deb Harzma. Uh, She is, by training, an astronomer, and um, she's fantastic, and um, BioLogos is dedicated to celebrating God's world and God's word, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, yeah. and providing resources to people from of all ages, from grade school on up, um, uh, to help them think through issues related to science and faith. But fundamentally, it's got that same posture that I think Chris and I have been talking about, that science is a cause for celebration of God's Mm -hmm. glory and helping Christians to see that there should be no barrier to them being fully devoted Christ followers and uh, really digging into science on the one hand, and on the other hand, helping people who um, are not yet Christ followers to understand that they wouldn't have to set aside what they're excited about with regard to science in order to consider uh,
0: who Jesus is and following him. I I would have had a lot less sleepless nights if there would have been a biologist website (laughs) (laughs) when I was in college, and uh, and uh, that uh, the the website is very helpful, and uh, it's really uh, yeah it's a really good I can't say enough about it. Just uh, um, when Francis was (laughs) Francis had no idea his book was going to do what it did, Mm. and uh, he was just like he had no idea the responses he got. Really, the organization's formation is really kind of an afterthought because he got so many emails. He got a bunch of graduate students at yeah. his at his table at his home to try to help him answer these emails. And then Obama says, you know, would you like to run mm. the NIH? And so it's a really interesting uh, interesting story. But um, yeah, I just can't say enough about it. it's good good people um, uh, that believe the Bible is the Word of God, and yet they also believe that science is a serious business and Mm. so they do a good job of blending both. There's other organizations uh, that are like that also, but I I would recommend BioLogos for people. It's it's a kind of good one-stop shopping kind of thing.
1: That's great. Yeah, so BioLogos, and you mentioned the book, The Language of God by Francis Collins. Uh, I know that they're millions of books written that, um, span the spectrum of different topics and that sort of thing, but any other resources that are just come into mind right away that you think might be helpful for someone listening?
0: Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we'll put
1: some in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but my Chris, class too, my in yeah. the courses,
0: I'll have a, an extended bibliography. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just, it, it's a, it's a whole yeah. yeah, so tell it's us about like that. Genre. You're
1: teaching a class coming up in a, a few yeah. weeks, starting uh, in October. October
0: 11th is the first class. It's here at Braider Way and Science uh, and Faith, and uh, it's just six classes. And um, I've invited uh, five different um, working scientists who are part of Blackhawk to just come in um, on... This. The first one, I'll just do uh, all two hours by myself. And then um, I'm going to do an hour... On some questions that people have, we're going to talk about a science denial, we're going to talk about Genesis, we're going to talk Uh about evolution, we're going to talk about creation, stuff like that. Those are kind of some of the common things that people wonder about. And then I'm just going to bring in some different scientists that are part of our church that Mm. are downtown and they work at the university. And what do they do? They're very interesting people. And just we'll ask them some questions like you asked Jeff today. I think it should be fascinating for people.
1: Awesome. Well, if you can hear me on my computer, I'm signing up for that right now because <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, looking forward to that. And again, we'll put some links in the show notes, um, to how to get signed up for that kind of stuff. Um, I just want to say thank you to both of you um, for how you've helped walk people through this conversation. Obviously, each of you in your own unique way. Um, again, I was a freshman at the UW when I began to follow Jesus, and I had a ton of questions about this kind of stuff. So I found myself reading a lot of books um, that summer after my freshman year that I first began to follow Jesus, which was helpful. Um, But later in college is when I got involved at Blackhawk Church. And Chris, I got to hear you talk about these sorts of things numerous times. And Um, To help provide spaces as a church, like our faith and science seminars that we did for for years. And you're doing some of that now in this course and that kind of thing where experts would come in and talk on different topics. But those were just a game changer for me, getting to be a part of and to see a church that was not afraid of those conversations and was digging in. So thank you for that. Um, And Jeff, similar thing. Um, I think this was our first time officially meeting, um, but I heard you speak several times throughout my college years, which again, was just so helpful and encouraging to see a scientist who was, um, again, not afraid of those conversations and those questions, but um, you're integrating your faith and your work as a scientist um, and helping other people to do that as well as they dig into their faith and walk through these questions. So thanks for, for
0: yeah, your, your life's work and helping people do some of that. If I could just add, I think we, I don't, Jeff and I don't want to give the impression like we have all the answers and stuff like that. We're on a journey. We have questions. But ultimately, I think as a Christ follower, my goal is to help people fall in love with God's word, Mm -hmm. and uh, science can actually help us do that. And uh, as you bring questions to to about science and the way God operates in the world, you know our goal here is that you just fall in love with His word, and so that you can trust His word and not put it on a shelf someplace because His word uh can do transforming things uh in your life. So that's the the end goal here is not that we all become yeah. PhD scientists. The <laughs> end goal is to become hard charging followers of Jesus. Mm, yeah. I love that. That's a good note to end on.
1: Um Jeff, as we leave here, you're headed to Iowa City to do some teaching. That's right. What's coming up for, for you over the next few days? Yes, I'm speaking at a science conference down there
2: in Iowa City. What a surprise. (laughs) I know, that's right, yeah. 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 So a bunch of biochemists and molecular biologists getting together. So we'll think some deep thoughts there about about cells and how they stick together.
1: I bet you will. All right. Um, Well, thanks so much, again, for making time for this conversation and and for coming in um, and helping helping us have this conversation and, and digging together. Um, all right, you guys. Well, that's it for this conversation. Let's head to some Q&A right now from last week's message.
0: We know you got some questions. Let us answer them.
1: All right. Well, thanks to everyone that submitted questions this week. As always, you can submit those to podcast at blockhawkchurch.org and we'll take a few minutes at the end of each episode to talk through some of those. Um, We had a few questions for this week. I think most of them got answered in either the message from this past Sunday or will get answered in Charles' message this coming Sunday on the image of God. So the one that I think uh, we'll spend a couple minutes on is this. It says, how can there be a beginning if God is infinite beginning, referring to Genesis one, verse one, where it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So uh, hang with me for just a couple minutes. We'll circle around that a little bit. Um, now that word beginning in Genesis one in the Hebrew text is the word Rashid. So Rashit can mean simply beginning, but it also has connotations of like the first thing or the first step in a process. And I think that's some of what's happening here. Um, The opening chapters of Genesis, they're not trying to tell us much of, if anything, about how God came to be or to prove his existence or something like that. Because in the ancient Near East, I talked a lot about the ancient Near East on Sunday, but um, in this ancient context, it was just assumed that the gods existed. There was no need to prove that. They just kind of take that as an assumption. So they're not really trying to say much about that. But what those opening chapters of Genesis are trying to do is tell us something about how our created world Started. It's beginning the story of humanity and, and why we're here, what our purpose is and all of that, talking about our beginning. So I think beginning refers to the fact that it's the beginning of that story. It's the first and the opening step to telling that story. Uh, So yeah, God is infinite. Theologically, we believe that he's always existed. No one created him. And the beginning that Genesis 1 is referring to is simply the beginning of our story and how we and our world interact with the God of the cosmos. So uh, we could end the answer there, but um, man, in in the sermon, we also talked a little bit about John 1. So I want to just look at that for a second too, even as we talk about this question. And this is really interesting, right? Um, John uses the same language. He says, in the beginning, and he goes on, was the word and the word was God, all that kind of stuff. Um, So he's definitely alluding to Genesis 1. He's trying to mimic that language. He's uh, definitely has that in mind. Um, But here, rather than jumping right into how God creates and orders things like we see in Genesis, there are these first two verses that do talk about the infiniteness of God before anything was made. Here's verses one and two. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God in the beginning. So kind of interesting, right? It kind of pulls back the curtain on this community and this relationship that God has within himself before anything was made. And then John moves on to talking about how God created all things. So anyway, when we combine Genesis 1 and John 1, we kind of get both sides of the coin um, of that question. One, where God has existed within himself for all eternity. That's John 1. He is infinite. But then also too, there is a beginning to our created world and our story when God decides to decisively act and, and to move toward creating and ordering the cosmos. So he's infinite and this is the beginning of our story. So there you go. I think we'll call uh, call that good for this week. Please send in your questions. I think we will have a lot of them after Charles' message on the Im- image of God because there's just so much to, uh, to unpack So thanks for listening, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.